So we started a new series last week called Table Talk. If God came to dinner, what would happen if God came to dinner at our house? What would it look like? Would you be ready if Jesus walked in your door and said, I'm going to have dinner with you tonight? Is your house clean enough today? Is your table dusted off well enough today? Is, or are, you, are you prepared if Jesus said, I'm coming to your house today? Are you ready? Uh, are you prepared enough? Is everything set up in the right way? Look at there, my table even has water on it. I think that's from last week. <laughs> See, I'm not ready. Yeah, bring me a fresh one, Pastor Jennifer. The, the top didn't snap, so I know I'm in trouble. And, and are you ready? What, what would happen if God came to dinner? I can't even drink right today. Y'all are in trouble. So we talked about how tables are used for many things. At this table, I have plates, and one of my favorite things to do at a table is play games with my kids. I know y'all are expecting me to say eat. Shame on y'all. <laughs> so one of my, my favorite things I like to do at the table is, is play games with my kids and spend time with my kids and talk to my kids. And, and we've been living in this really small apartment, and we have this this horrible dining area just really doesn't have room. So we've gotten this bad habit where we sit in the den and eat. And when you're in the den, you naturally watch TV while you eat. So you, you lose communication. And tables are important. We, we know that at a table, uh, tables have been used for many things, not just to eat, not to just play games at, but world leaders have sat in seats at tables and made world decisions that affected the future and the rise and the fall of countries. Uh, it's where treaties have been signed to go into peace for years. The, the table has been significant in the history of our world. In fact, next to the wheel, it's one, probably one of the most in, greatest inventions of all time. It, it's where you sit. It's where you sign papers. If you buy a house and you go to closing, you, you sit at the table and you, you sign those papers that you're going to pay forevermore. And, but, but, you know, in that paying, you reap the benefits of this this beautiful home where your family grows and it lives and it, and it learns. A home, when it's done right, is a beautiful thing. Just like if your table's prepared in the right way, it can be a beautiful thing. It can be where your family flourishes and where your kids learn and, and uh, where you have fun and you do flashcards and they sit and they do their homework and, and they get ready or they don't do their homework right. It's, it's where we, we, we learn to do stuff and... It's also where we can sit and we can have correction. We can tell our kids, no, you don't act like this in school. And then you transition to the bedroom and the bed, and we all know what happens there. It's where the switches come out. Y'all don't whip y'all's kids? Mine don't get whipped either. They need it, though. <laughs> but it's where you negotiate deals. It's where things happen. And we talked about Psalms 23 last week, how... The Lord is my shepherd, and when he's truly your shepherd, he's truly in charge. It says, I shall not want. There's some kind of satisfaction. There's some kind of fulfilling. In fact, God says, when I am your shepherd, I'll prepare a table in the presence of your enemies. He says, when, when all the world around you looks, looks, looks bad and everything is going wrong, he said, 
I'll let you sit down and eat a meal because I'm with you. And then it says, he'll anoint your head with oil, which is mean, I'm going to show that I'm in covenant with you and all your enemies are going to know. If God is for you, who can be against you? And we talked about benefits from having Jesus at our table. And we talked about enemies at our table, how a lot of times we, 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 we have a seat at the table, but we give it up. We put our pride in our seat. We put fear in our seat. And, and, and this seat was designed for us, but we put something else in it. And we let it reap the rewards of our, our sacrifice. And we, we make it important in our life instead of the, the right things and we put unforgiveness at our seat. Instead of having forgiveness and being able to sit with the people we love, we, we choose to not forgive them and not to move on with life. And, and so today I want to talk about Zacchaeus. And when I think about Zacchaeus, I get this, this mental picture ever since I've watched the movie Elf. Anybody watch that movie Elf? Everybody in here has watched Elf. And, and I just I, I picture Will, Will Ferrell sitting at that table saying, you're an angry little elf. And it's, it's this guy in the business suit, and he's, he's shorter in stature, and, but he's very educated, he's very smart, he's very good at what he does, but he has a temper. And if you call him short, he's going to go off on you. And Zacchaeus was just this very educated man, but he was short in stature. He, he probably had little man syndrome. He might have even had a jacked-up four-wheel drive donkey. You never know. And uh, <laughs> isn't that what short guys do? They buy the big, tall trucks. I'm one of the few tall guys I know that has a real tall truck. And so he, he's, just a, he's a short man, and he's the chief of all the tax. He's not just a tax collector, which were hated in this day, but he's the chief tax collector. He's the chief publican of the day. I didn't say Republican. I said publican. Chief publican of the day which is probably just as bad as a Republican or a Democrat. He's, he's the chief publican of the day, and, and society hates him because they can't depend on him, and he's not honest. He's a dishonest man. In fact, he's a liar, and he's a thief, and he takes more than he should take. In fact, the Scripture says this. So let's read it in Luke 19.1. Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. So Jesus is going through Jericho, and there was this man named Zacchaeus the chief tax collector in the region. And he became very, very rich doing this. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and he climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. Zacchaeus had heard about Jesus. Zacchaeus is this miserable little man who's thrived off of others trying to fill a void in his life. And he hears about this Jesus, and he's like, there's somebody more important than me coming through town, and, and I want to be at the forefront. I want to be the center of attention. You know any of those guys that, that they, they just want to see? They want the best seat in the house. And Zacchaeus wants the best seat in the whole place, and he climbs up in a tree, and it says, when Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus, and he called him by name. Now, he probably never met Zacchaeus before. He says, Zacchaeus, come down quickly. I must be a guest in your home today. So Zacchaeus quickly climbs down, and he takes Jesus to his house with great excitement and with great joy. 
but the people were displeased. Look to your neighbor said the people weren't happy. They, and in fact, this is what the people say. He has gone to be a guest of the notorious sinner. Hey, before the notorious B-I-G, there was the notorious sinner named Zacchaeus. Z-A-C. And Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, while all the people were talking about how bad he is, how he's the sinner of sinners, how he's the, the scum of the scum, and he's the worst of the worst, and everybody's bad-mouthing him, everybody's talking about him and, and his faults and who he is, and they can't see that the, the man really inside is hurting. The man really inside is looking for a way out. The man is looking for something more than what was at his table. And Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and he said, I'll give my half my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I've cheated people on their taxes, I will give them four times as much. What's four times as much? Why is this, why is this the number that Zacchaeus chooses? He, he chooses this number for a reason. Because in Jewish culture, when you were a, a, a sheep thief and you had stolen sheep, you had to repay it four times. That was the penalty of your sin. And, and so he goes, he's admitting, Jesus, I know I was a thief. In fact, I'm, I'm going I'm to pay what I need to pay. I'm going to compensate for my sin. I'm going to pay back four times as much as I've ever stolen from anyone. I don't care if it empties my bank accounts. I don't care what it does. I need something more than the person I am. And Jesus responded, Salvation has come to this home today, for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. And then it gives us the reason that Jesus was there in the first place. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save those that are lost. Jesus came to seek and to save those that are lost. He wasn't looking for those who were polished. He wasn't looking for the best of the best. He went to the house with the worst of the worst. And people talked about him. When, when you're doing the right things in life, People will always murmur, and they will always talk about you. But when God has given you a mission, none of that matters. All that matters is that our heart is right. I was talking uh, with Josh this week, just saying, you know, I, ha I had to have talk with my boys and tell them, look, it doesn't matter what people say about your dad. It doesn't matter what people, people say about us. It, it doesn't matter. We have to keep our hearts right. See, I can't show up on Sunday morning if somebody's done something wrong to me and preach, preach from that place. I can't because what you'll get, you'll become, what's wrong with Pastor Ryan this week? How come he was so angry when he preached? How come he's so mad when he preached? See, my, my heart's got to be right. And when our heart's right, we forgive no matter what they've done. We don't give them that seat at our table. We sit in it proudly. And we know that we're sitting at the Lord's table. And He's prepared it for us. And He's went out of His way. We talked about the meaning of, in Jewish culture, preparing. It just wouldn't have been something, something that took 30 minutes. He, he'd have prepared for hours and hours. Entertaining is a lost art. Today, we entertain. We order a couple pizzas. and Come over, let's eat some pizza. But, but entertaining in Jewish culture would have took took all day. You know, there's a difference between Chateaubriand and, and a hamburger. 
There is. It takes a lot longer to prepare a gourmet dish than it does to prepare a hamburger. It just, it takes longer. It does. And as your pastor, I'm the chef of this church, and I'm the dude with the food, and I'm not the dude with the, Gina's the, the gal with the food. I'm the dude with the spiritual food. And as you know, you don't trust a skinny chef, so y'all are all good. <laughs> and, uh, you know, entertaining's a lost start. When I invite people over, I ask them what they like to eat before I have them come over. If they tell me they don't like tomatoes, uh, I'm not going to serve something with tomatoes in it. If they tell me they like steak, I'm probably going to cook them a steak. So if I ask you over to dinner, what are you going to say? Uh, yeah, see, all y'all going to say, steak, pastor, steak. Now, we do sirloin at my house because it's cheap. You just have to get over it. We'll marinate it. We'll call it filet when you get there. Filet sirloin. <laughs> I got three boys I got to feed, and they eat way more than I do. And uh, so, you know, we buy on sale. But I'm concerned about what my guests like. I'm concerned what they want to eat. We clean the house. Pastor Jennifer works hard. She, you can't invite your life team overnight, Ryan. I, this house ain't clean because we care about our guests, you know. We're not just going to sweep stuff under the couch and leave it there. We're going we're gonna to clean right, and we're going to move the couches and sweep under them because, you know, stuff tends to crawl from underneath the couch when, when you don't clean under it right, when your guests are over and, we, we're, we take pride in what we do. We, we want to entertain. We want to clean the house. I, I go to the store, and I don't buy old ingredients. I buy fresh ingredients. I buy the good stuff. Is your stuff fresh? It's a question to think about today. Is your stuff fresh? Have, have you been to the storehouse? Have you been filled with the good stuff? Are, are you ready for the week? Are you ready to entertain others? As a pastor, it's my job to build believers. Okay, that's what we're doing today. We're building your faith and, and getting you ready to go out and launch you into this week. And so it's my job to build believers and to serve seekers. And so I walk through here on Sunday mornings and try to straighten the chairs and I'm making sure the foyer's clean on Saturday evenings, and I'm spending most of my day Saturday preparing my message and polishing it. It's usually already written, but I'm still going to spend most of the day polishing it and memorizing it and, and thinking about it because I'm here to serve seekers. And if somebody comes here that's not saved today, it's my responsibility to give them, give them the right food so that they can, they can process it and so they can accept Jesus into their heart because I know that the change he made in my life, I want them to experience also. Last thing I want is somebody leaving this place hungry. Have you ever been to a restaurant and not ate? I, I've done that. I went to a restaurant one time, they brought my steak out, and it was burnt. I said, I ordered medium rare, and she, she asked me, she goes, we well, couldn't your steak and check it, and I cut into it, she goes, she goes, yeah, I was afraid of that, it was burnt when it left the kitchen. I'm like, great, you saw it was burnt before you brought it to me. I'd have never brought it out and served my guests something I knew that was burnt. And she goes, we'll take care of you, don't worry. I said, okay, thank you very much. And So she takes my steak away. Whole family gets through eating, and they've all ate their meals, and 
looking around, and she comes by the table and says, here's your ticket. And I'm like, are you going to bring me a steak? She goes, no, we took care of you. We just took it off the tag. I'm like, oh, thank you, because I'm a pastor, you know. <laughs> I didn't want to tell her what I really thought. No, Lord, wash my brain. <laughs> but I would never expect somebody, you know, I would have cooked them another steak, made sure it was right, brought out. No, just I fixed your ticket for you. Well, thank you. That was so sweet of you. I'm really going to pray for you this week. Lord, her calling is not service. <laughs> it's not serving. And, uh, and, you know, and I still tipped her at the end of the day. Does she deserve my tip? No. She really didn't. No, Ed, she didn't. But I gave her the 15%. And I prayed that God would bless her, mainly with a new job. But I prayed that God would bless her. I, I'm an honest preacher. I'm not going to stand up here and lie to you. But, but I prayed God would bless her because the deal is, as pastors, I, I want to feed people. And sometimes I don't always succeed at what I do. And I pray that you tip me anyway. <laughs> I'm joking. But if you do your job right, everybody wants to come back to that restaurant for more. Isn't that right? Have you ever been to Costco or Sam's? Now, I love Costco. It's my kind of place. There's samples everywhere. Pastor Jennifer's going to come up here with me. I mean, I mean, you can't turn the corner. Fish, turn the corner. Grape juice, turn the corner. Cheese sticks, turn the corner. I mean, it's every, food's everywhere. Have you ever? Yeah, Costco's good, I'm telling you. And I bring my three boys, hopefully they'll get halfway full, then I'll take them to eat. We don't even need groceries, we go, we go for hors d'oeuvres at, at Costco. I mean, they're good. Appetizers, why else I paying that membership every year? Yeah, it's, we call it appetizers, we go through, then we go eat. But, you think I'm kidding? I am, we, we actually do shop, but... But we, we go there, and have you ever got one of those samples, and you're like, oh, my gosh, this is nasty. I mean, you're like, yeah. you know, you were saying thank you while you were trying to get rid of it, you know. And, and it's just nasty. It's, it's, not the, it's not the sample that you wanted. I mean, it's just a horrible sample. And how many of y'all like samples? And, and then there's the, the sample that you taste, and you're like, that's good. Where did I find that at? How, how long did that take you to cook? Because I need fast. I'm always in a hurry. What, is that fast? When we found this thing at Costco called lobster ravioli. Now, don't you go buy them all because I want them to be there when I get there. They're lobster ravioli. You boil water for three minutes. You get water boiling. You throw them in there for three minutes. You strain them throw a little butter and garlic salt, and they're done. They're better in Carabas or anywhere. I mean, they're really, really good. And so, you know, we have a busy life. On those nights we know we don't have time to cook, it's lobster ravioli night because we can. they're cheap. We throw them in the pot, boil them three minutes, we're done. And uh, my boys are happy. I'm happy. And the cook is happy. And so, you know, when people come over to my house, Pastor Jennifer's uh, world famous just about for her pound cake. Just give me some little samples of pound cake there. Anybody like samples? 
Just, 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 just small samples because I, I want to bring the rest of that home. I told you I'm honest. Hey, look, stick some in the cup, Pastor Jim. Give me a couple of those. See, now this, this, where else can you go to church and get fed? I told you I was going to feed you today. And so, so I got some samples. She's getting some more, but if you don't get one, you should have sat closer to the front row. That's all I got to tell you about that. And so, so we got samples, and here you go, ma'am. Have you a sample? And See, everybody wants a sample, don't they? You want a sample? Jerry, you want a sample? No, I'm going to give you a sample. You've been walking this week. You need to get, you're winning the weight loss competition maybe. Make sure Joe gets a sample. He's been the lead on the weight loss competition. Hand out some samples, Ed. Everybody loves samples, but, you know, I want to give you good samples. I don't, I don't want to give you bad samples. Who, who here wants a bad sample? Now, I really thought about getting some of those jelly beans. You know, they got skunk flavor and all that stuff. But I wasn't going to do that to you because I'm not going to give you anything bad as your pastor. I'm only going to give you good stuff. Is it good? I love that pound cake. That pound cake has put pounds on me. It's good. I married her for that pound cake. And, and it's good. It's good food. I mean, it, it's good stuff. And, but you see, I just got, how, how easy was it for me to give out those samples? It was pretty easy, right? It, it cost me just a little bit of a time to make the pound cake last night, or Pastor Jennifer to make the pound cake, I should say. And just a little bit of time. And, you know, it just took me, hey, babe, make me a pound cake for church tomorrow. I need it for an example. And uh, it's not taking a whole lot of effort for me to pass these samples out. And it, it isn't. And, you know, but as a pastor, sometimes I feel like, and I want you all to listen to the spiritual meaning in, the, in this. As a pastor, I feel like sometimes, sometimes I'm handing out samples to fool people all the time. To people who've already had a lot to eat. and They've already had a lot of spiritual food. and I'm, I'm handing out samples to the wrong people. That if we're doing our job right as a church... And we're handing out the right samples and not bad samples all week long. This place would be completely full. It's, it's our job as believers to give out samples. Now, that's enough samples. No, no, no. We're too much of that cake. Here, give me a piece. I'm telling you, I married that girl for a reason. See, when you're Kobe's age... You date a girl for her looks. When you're my age, you date her she can cook. <laughs> Word of the wise, y'all young guys, make sure they can cook before you marry them. Or make sure your mama can cook and teach them. But my question through all that is, what kind of samples are we handing out all week? Are we giving the right samples? Who in your life is hungry? Now, our ushers are going to pass out some name tags real quick. I want you to hold on these name tags for a few seconds. Everybody here gets a name tag. I want everybody to get a name tag. Y'all mind if I take a little time doing this this morning? 
And for y'all that got cake, you're like, heck no, give me some more cake. Go to church and get cake. And I can prove cake is biblical. That's right, because Elijah, when he was asleep, angel made him an angel food cake. That's right. So I just want you to think as they're passing out these cards, who in your life that you know is hungry? Who in your life that you know needs Jesus? Who in your life needs, needs, needs help overcoming some stuff in their life? And, and my question for you is, will you give them a sample? Will you make them a priority in your life? Will you do what Jesus did and look up to the tree and see what's standing right in front of you and know that he needs more than the money he's got in the bank account. He needs more in his life. He's, he's got an emptiness. He's got a void. Uh, Zacchaeus needed something. Can you look past the person who they really are and hand them a sample of who you really are? Can you hand them the right sample where they'll want to come and be fed? See, Jesus didn't do it right in that instance. See, Jesus had been giving samples is the reason Zacchaeus wanted to look. Jesus had been giving samples. He'd have been, he's been healing people. He's been setting people free. Uh, the demon oppressed have been set free. They're no longer oppressed. Jesus is walking through the streets and miracles are happening. And Zacchaeus has heard he's coming through town. What do people say when you're coming through town? Are they beating at your door wanting to know who you are? Susan's laughing at that. But, and it's funny, we, we think about it, it is funny, but we have to think in our lives, what kind of examples are we setting? What, what are we doing? Because Jesus came to give life and give it more abundantly. Matthew 25, 34 through 40, it says, and this is, this is Jesus saying, the king is talking about God, he's separated the separated the people to his right and to his left and to the right are the sheep and to the left are the wolves. And, and, and then they make this statement, the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. In other words, he prepared the table from you before you were ever born. The table's been prepared before creation. God knew you were going to be born one day. He had a plan for you. He's thought about you since the existence of time. You've always been part of his plan. He's always put giftings in your life. He's had anointings in your life. He's had things sitting in your life waiting on you to say yes to him and to sit at the table. It's been prepared since the beginning of time, the creation of the world. And Jesus says this, for I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. And then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and ever give you something to drink? Or or when were you ever a stranger and we showed you hospitality? Or naked and we gave you clothing? 
when did we ever see you sick or in prison? And the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it to the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Do you have the names of hungry people popping in your head? Do you know those people at your job that need Jesus? Are you giving them the samples? Now, we've given you name tags today. I want you to write the names of those people in anticipation that you can bring them Easter Sunday. It says, hello, my name is John. Hello, my name is Victoria. Hello, my name is, there's a name to every one of those faces. I want you to write down the names of your loved ones that need Jesus. And what I want you to do is I want you to peel that sticker off. And I want you to stick it to the back of the seat in front of you. And this week, me and Pastor Jennifer and my team, we're going to walk through every one of these rows. And we're going to peel those stickers off. And as we peel them off, we're going to pray over them. And then we're going to do this again every week. Those cards are going to be in the seat back pockets in front of you. I want you to write another name down. And every day until Easter, we're going to pray over these names. And I'm going to believe God for your friends and family while you're believing God, while you're giving them samples ready to bring them to church on Sunday morning. Because this church is not here just for us to come every week and just give him praise. This church is here so that those that are lost can find him. Because Jesus seeked and he saved those that were lost. Zacchaeus was a seeker. Zacchaeus was an educated man. He sought Jesus. He climbed up in the tree. He was looking as he came down the road, looking to see what he could see. There's people in your life who are looking at you, and they're just waiting for you to call them by name. John 6, 26, I love this passage. Jesus replied, he said, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you. Not because you understood any of the miraculous gifts that I was doing. Not because you understand any of the miraculous signs that I was doing. Not just because you're not following me because I healed your friend. You're following me because I fed you. Who are we feeding? Who are we touching? Who are we giving hope? Then in John 6.35, a few passages later, Jesus replied and he said this, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. When you start serving people the true bread of life, they're no longer hungry. They're no longer miserable. They're no longer, they're no longer looking. They're no longer seeking. They find what they need. What are you serving at your table? Is it the bread of life? Is it unity? Uh, a few weeks ago, uh, I had a guy call me out of the blue. It was like 5.15 in the afternoon. And he, he said, Pastor, this is so-and-so. I said, hi, how are you doing, so-and-so? And, uh, well, you know, it's what you do. Somebody calls and said, how, how are you doing? And he goes, well, I'm not doing good. My father-in-law passed away. I said, I'm so sorry to hear that. He goes, well, he said, I was wondering if you would, he doesn't go to our church. Just, just just, here in the community. I was wondering if you'd, you'd do the service for me. I said, well, when is it? Well, it's 6 o'clock tonight. It was like 45 minutes away. It was a Wednesday night. We have church starting here at 7. And um, I said, well, what do you, you, you want me to preach at the funeral? He goes, I just, just want you to pray, open it up. Some people are going to talk, and I want you to pray to close it. I said, I'll be there. Didn't have time to do it. Didn't really want to do it. 
It's not my favorite thing doing funerals, believe it or not. It's just, just not. I don't enjoy them. And, uh, but I showed up. Why did I show up? Because as a pastor, my heart is to pastor our community, not just this church. Jesus, Jesus didn't just stay with one little group of 12. He went out into the streets. And, and, and so I went anyway, and I, I prayed, and I loved on people because that's what we're called to do. And, and one day, I, I've been praying for the last two weeks for this family, that their, their pain would go away. And I'm believing that, that we sowed seed in their life, and one day it's going to come back. And if they don't know Jesus in a true way, I'm believing that they'll come into this house one day, and, and they'll find the bread of life. And they'll never be thirsty again. That's what I pray. And, and with your relatives and your, and, and your friends, I, I pray that you give them good samples. And they say, I want to taste more of what's in you. I want to taste what, what you're about because what I see, I need some of that in my life. I, I, want, them to, I want them to thirst for that, 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 that sliver of the bread of life that they see in you. I want them to be able to come to the table. But they can't come unless we invite them. The table is empty unless we invite people to sit at it. What a lonely, miserable life to have a table. And all that ever happens is that table is you sit there and you eat. There's never people that get to sign, I have a peace accord in my life. God has set me free. I just signed a treaty with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords that, that I no longer have to pay the price of, of the wages of sin, which is death and hell in the grave. I don't have to do that no more. I've signed a treaty with the King of Kings, and he said that if I call on his name, everyone shall be saved. I, I call on his name. He saves me. He redeems me. He sets me free. He calls me out. And puts my feet on a solid rock. That's what he does for me. Do people look interested in your walk as you walk it through the week? Do they care that you're coming down the road? Do, do they hang over you and want, want more of what's in your life? I said earlier that Zacchaeus probably didn't know Jesus. And Jesus probably had never met Zacchaeus. And I love this scripture in John 10, 10, 3, where it says, He calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out of where they've been. Isn't it great that he knows our name? He knows the name you wrote down today. He knows their name. And he's just waiting for you to be the hands and the feet of Jesus and to lead them out. He's just waiting on you to give them the sample that they can't refuse and say, I can't wait no more. And they're waiting for you to have that great joy that Zacchaeus had when Jesus was going to his house. It said he had great joy. He was overwhelmed that this man called the Messiah, this man called the king, actually wanted to sit at his table. I think as people, we, we have a complex that Jesus doesn't really want to sit at my table. God, the Father, wouldn't really actually want to be at my table, but he does. He's just waiting for you to give him a seat at the table to be part of your life. He's just waiting for that moment. And I love how the story of Zacchaeus ends. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save those that are lost. Are we seeking? Are we saving? That's what Jesus came for. It was this whole principle of being here. 
was to save us, was to redeem us, was to die for us. Our tables must contain those that are lost. They can't just be the people we love. can't just be the people that we care about. They need to be the people that we would never even consider inviting to our table. All of them griping, all of them complaining. You know who he's eating dinner with today? He's at Zacchaeus' house. The scum of the scum. The bottom of the earth. The guy that stole our finances forever. He'd like you inviting your IRS rep over for dinner. You ever heard of anybody inviting their IRS rep to come over and eat with them? That's what Jesus did. He took the guy that wanted something and it said he gave him something. something. Something that he could never buy with all that money he had. I read a quote on Facebook this week that says, The law condemns the best of us, but grace saves the worst of us. That's what Jesus wants. He came not to do away with the law, but to fulfill it. But at the same time, he didn't come to, to, to give you the law, more of the law. He didn't come to give you more commandments. He didn't, he didn't come to condemn you. He came to save you. He came to give you grace. That's what he showed Zacchaeus. He didn't sit at the table and condemn Zacchaeus. Why did Zacchaeus just freelance, just shout this out and just proclaim I'm a sinner. I've made mistakes. Why would he give away half of everything he had? Because he was shown something he was never shown before. He was shown true love. When we show people true love and we show them what the church should look like, they'll beg for more. Though we don't have to come and condemn and convict them. It's not what God called us to do. He called us to love them, to show them grace. And we do, when we do that, freedom abounds. Jesus wants to save every single one of us. He loves every single one of us. It's all he came to do was to give us grace. Let's stand and let's close our eyes. Father, I thank you that you came to seek and to save those that are lost, Father. I thank you for every person in this room, Father, that we would begin to show your love. We'd begin to show the samples that we should be giving out during the week. We should prepare a place, Father, for those that we really don't even care about because they need you. And when they find you, Father God, we'll probably find out how great of a person they really are once they get free from all that stuff that's hindering them. Jesus, today we love you. We thank you that your presence is in this place. And where your presence is, Father, there's joy. Joy unspeakable, Father. And there is love. Today, if you've never asked Jesus to come into your heart, may you say, Pastor, that's me. I'm that person who's miserable in my life. I've done things that are wrong. I've done things that I, I shouldn't have done. and I've made mistakes. Well, I want to tell you as your pastor, I've made mistakes. I've done things that are wrong. Do them every day. It's part of life. We're real people. Jesus didn't come to condemn you. He just came to save you. He came to pour grace upon you. He came to pour love upon you. He said that if we admit our sins before the Father, 
and we, we confess that he's the Lord and Savior, and we, we, we believe that he died on that third day, there's no questions asked about what we've done. He says, I'll forgive you. Back to Romans 10, 9, 10, and 13, it says, it says, everyone that calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Today is very easy. Our prayer partners are coming as I speak. If, if you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, you've never partaken of that bread of life, you've never eaten, there's something, you said there's something wrong with me, Pastor. There's something, something just not right. I need that freedom that you talked about. We'll pray for you. Maybe you just need to call on the name of the Lord today. You can say, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know I've messed up. But I do believe you, you died and you rose again for me. And today, I'm calling on your name. Save me. I want to partake of that bread, Father. Save me. Set me free. I don't want to ever hunger again. Do for, for me what you did for Zacchaeus, Father. Set me free. If you want to do that, our prayer partners are open. As the music plays today, the altar is open. I challenge you. If you need prayer for anything, come down this altar. Faith, faith is taking a step. Jesus said, we have faith of a mustard seed. He'd move a mountain for us. He didn't ask us to move the mountain. He didn't say you had to move it. He just said, if you have faith of a mustard seed, he'd move the mountain for you. There's no pushing required on your part. It just takes that first step down to this altar to find him. If you want me to pray for you today, I am here. I will be in this altar. I don't mind. I'll pray for you as long as you need. You want me to pray for you. It's the only reason I'm here today. These altars are open. Let me bless you as you go today. Father, I just thank you for everyone in this building. I thank you, Father, that you're a lamp into their feet, a light into their path. Guide them every step that they take. Let them see those that are up in the trees seeking, Father. Let them see those that are on the street court peeking around the, the corner, Father, looking for what they have. Let them give them a sample of who you are. Let them bring them into this house with joy and with thanksgiving and with gladness in their hearts, Father. And let them find you in a fresh and a new way, Father. Now, God, what you want to do with the church, do it in this church. What you want to do with the people, do it with our people as we go out this week to serve your people. In your name we pray. Amen.